So I have a question for you. What's the best email marketing platform for creators? It's ConvertKit. It combines powerful automation with an easy to use interface. The heart of their business is their visual automation tool that allows you to deliver the right message to your audience at the right time. They have pre-built landing pages and forms so creating and sending out copy is extremely easy. I personally use it with my business when I'm doing webinars. And you can use it too. Right now we have an exclusive offer for you. ConvertKit is giving you a freemium membership with full access to the landing pages, forms, and email marketing for free, up to 1,000 subscribers. They are one of the only platforms that allows you to add your Facebook pixel to it for free. It allows you to create automation and it allows you to get the ball rolling with your business. And of course, it integrates with Shopify, Wix, Squarespace, Gumroad, and a ton of other platforms. So what you're going to do is you're going to hit the podcast description and click the link there to get you to this freemium account. It's an amazing service, so make sure you try it out, guys. Let me know how it goes for you. I want to know. All right, let's get into the show. The first guess is about taking that shot, right? Taking that chance. And I shot my shot at a guy called Ryan Serhan from New York Commando Listing. He was the first huge guest I got. He was shooting a YouTube video at the time. He had a vlog series. We were able to be on that vlog series and it completely took off. He gave us a viral moment. We left a comment on the page telling people where they can listen to the full episode. And to my astonishing, like I woke up the next day, he pinned that comment where it took the number one space and we had over 70,000 And I'm Owen. And this is the podcast where you receive stories, tips, and strategies from entrepreneurs who've done it to grow your business and take yourself to the next level as a person. Later today on the podcast, we have Sean Anthony. Sean is the podcaster at Schools Over Now What? And he's also the owner and founder of Now What Academy. And he has a great business. He's a full-time podcaster. So we're going to get into his story and some tactics for you as podcasters to really become a better entrepreneur and better podcaster. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, Owen, what's good with you, bro? How's your week? Week's been blessed. Um, this has been a great, this podcast with Sean Anthony we got coming up. If you are a up-and-coming podcaster or you're interested in learning about podcasting, Sean is like a true expert into the field. Like he's done it. He's built his podcast. He's built his brand up from ground up using clubhouse using social media and he shows you like the blueprint on how to do it so even for us as seasoned podcasters right now you know over the past uh, 14 months with uh, the catalog we've built we still learned a lot from sean and how to go on about things you know there's you can always learn something new so if you're a podcaster this is the episode for you but other than that alex bro i'm good um the weather has picked up heavily I live beside Sugar Beach here in Toronto. If you guys know Sugar Beach, it's like a quasi beach near like the waterfront with like sand and uh, beach umbrellas. So it's always good just to walk there and, uh, you know, have some meditation, see people chilling, uh, having some fun. So I'm excited to do that. And this weekend is long weekend. You got four days. Okay, Friday. Saturday, yeah, four, let's not count Friday, but Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So. How am I going to use my time this weekend? I know we can grind, but like I want to do something social. Like, I want to drink a little bit, enjoy the sun, enjoy 
life, bro. There's more to life than grinding. You get me? That's a fact. There's more to life than the grind. Uh, <laughs> but, man, I'm excited for the summertime. My birthday's coming up. June you know, 1st, wanna, baby. June 1st, you know. So if y'all want to send me a gift, feel free to send me a gift. You know, my DMs is open. Can they uh, cash app you or something or PayPal you? Oh, my goodness. You know what? I should... I, DM me, y'all. DM me. I need to set it up for sure. Send me some. Yo, you can, you can uh you can make something happen. My DMs is open at Elevated Alexander. I'll put that in the description below, like I always do. Just yeah, get man. people to uh, to to PayPal you a dollar. Just a add, dollar. hey, just just a dollar. The dollar strategy, bro. You know, talking about we're talking about J Cole's doll in a dream tour. Imagine if you can get your fans just to send you a dollar for your birthday. Mm-hmm. You get me, and then that, buy yourself a bottle. Amazing. That'd be amazing, bro. Word. Actually, yeah, you, you guys want to send me a bottle, a bottle of Bel Air? That would be chef's kiss. Chef's kiss, chef's man. Kiss. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. yeah, yo, some news is happening in the entrepreneurship world. You know, Shopify and Google are officially partnering up. You know, what do you think about this, man? You know, we're learning about this in real time. Yeah. Shopify and Google. Alex, can you pull that up? <laughs> Oh man! All right, I pull it up right now. Listen, yo, this is I give Jamie credit, yo, because the speed is like incredible. Just to do this on here is, is is tough. All right, you see my you see my screen? Google partners with yep. Shopify on online shopping expansion. So read it quickly. Google announced today it's partnering with Shopify, giving the e-commerce platform more than 1.7 million merchants the ability to reach customers through Google search and its other services. The integration will allow merchants to sign up in just a few clicks to have their products appear on Google's 1 billion shopping journeys. The take This will take place, pardon me, every day through search, maps, images, lens, and YouTube. I don't know. What the hell is Google Lens? You might forget Google Lens, bro. Google Lens, I think it might have been, um, I think, no, I think that was a Google Glass. That was Google Glass. I'm not sure what Google Lens is, so I'll have to yeah, learn more about I. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there has been exclusive details released, but this could be really big, you know, um, especially for Shopify merchants that have both brick and mortar and online stores. You know, mm-hmm. this could really be big for people who are on maps, people are searching for a specific thing. Let's say I'm looking for clothing downtown toronto you know mm-hmm. or even yoga downtown toronto yawa kamal could possibly be something if if she had a physical store you know or let's say get fresh uh, um on queen street right this is mm-hmm. opportunity for for them to leverage things like maps and youtube so because right now i don't believe youtube and shopify like work together it looks like shopify is like really making competitive advantages right they have facebook on them to, to merge with um, Instagram and Facebook shops. Yep. And now they have Google. So it's looking pretty sad for WooCommerce, Squarespace. They, they got to figure out. Weebly. Yeah, yeah. Wix. Hey, you know, the thing is, my, my hesitation on this is, this is how excited I personally was when we were talking about Instagram integration with Instagram shops or uh, Facebook integrating with your Shopify store where you can like do things on Facebook. You know, Facebook has over a billion people. Uh, you can have like your fan base and everything, but you're finding it a lot tougher um, to get your products seen. Like, for example, like we thought Instagram shopping will be able to be a great converting channel because you have a lot of people who can 
shop. They can look at your product. If they've interacted with your page, they click on the shop tag at the bottom, they'll be able to see your product, but it really ever converts. And these are like based off your interest. So why is that? So my only hesitation with this is even though this leads to more exposure, but how how is it going to convert? Like, what can you do to like make your product convert? Because I can look at us. We've done a great job of setting up an Instagram shop. We've built a community, but we've tagged our products and a lot of our posts, which get great engagement. Right, so, so, so why boom. is that? So boom. So so take this in. We're gonna. What's different about this versus the Facebook Instagram um, update with Shopify is the fact that this will be matching SEO. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a makeup girl, I can start doing tutorials for, let's say, I don't know, foundation and have the, my Shopify store right under it on YouTube, mm-hmm. for instance. You know how YouTube has those other stores that are kind of under it, but it's like Teespring or some random. Teespring, yeah, exactly. You know, but once they integrate that with Shopify, like the makeup girls are going to go crazy. The DIY mm-hmm. people are going to go crazy. There's going to be a lot of opportunities with this new update for sure without a doubt so listen, i can definitely you, see that yeah people are definitely yeah, yeah. gonna eat off this hey it's free, it's crazy how as like time goes on the the uh, how easy e-commerce is becoming how opportunities are expanding for anybody essentially with a platform you could have 2k subscribers but if you have one hit video and you have a link towards like a digital download uh, Google spreadsheet that it's like 10 bucks. Someone, hey, like I made this Excel sheet. You can do this. They go download as a digital product on your web store. It's legit open the game up for anybody to eat. Anybody. Most definitely. we're. I think we're in probably the greatest advertising like opportunity of like history. Ever. Right now. Ever, yeah. It's, it's probably the biggest opportunity and that's why so many black women are seeing opportunities right Mm -hmm. because they can now put everything that was not available to them on their business so Mm -hmm. honestly it's just incredible but yeah let's get into this pod man we've been we've been talking for a minute oh oh before we even get into it we have switched our covers you know yes about that a lot of people liked um if you haven't seen our cover yet it's probably if you're listening to this podcast, that's the cover we ended up choosing. But if you can go back to our Instagram page, we had four options. The number one option is Alex and I standing beside each other. Number two was us sitting on um uh on like a stoop together, like staggered a little bit. Number three was us back to back, like we're on the cover of um back to back, like I'm on the cover of Lethal Weapon, right? And then uh, number four was just a cropped out version of like a pic we took over at my place. And we had a yellow background, et cetera. It was like basically arts and crafts, but ultimately the decision. <laughs> ultimately, the decision was number one and three. People yeah. liked number one and three, bro. Why yeah. are you for let's start with you, bro? Why don't you like number three? Number three, man. All right. So if you look at the number, number three, it looks like I have googly eyes, looks crazy. But um, how do people like number three, man? It made me think of, 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 I was telling you, it made me think of those uh, hit songs that people actually don't like, you know, mm-hmm. but everyone else likes. So just like, uh, I mean, I guess, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's, yeah. What, that's what comes to mind, you know. For me, I, I didn't like the way my neck, I don't know what it is, but just the way, like, uh, 
when my turn, it's like there's like a little line on my neck which made me look like I'm I'm stuffed up a little bit. Yeah. No, no one else can notice it, but I, as a person, I notice it. So that's why I'm kind of like ah. And as well too, I told you, kind of gives me very promy vibes, right? Like it's like prom-y? it's like you oh, know yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah, like you see the lights behind the trees. Uh, it's like we're back to back. You look, you look like a gay couple. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know. It, it just it looks very soft, bro. Like, but number yeah. one, it's like it looks. It's it's you and I, right? It's it's our brand. Right. Like, it's right. our, that's the synergy we have, you know. So it clearly displays that in the in the number one option pick. But people like number three. I think ultimately, bro, it's a very wholesome picture, and I think that's why people enjoy it. Yeah, it looks very wholesome, very wholesome, very happy. Mm-hmm. smile <laughs> but shout out to y'all man we appreciate everybody that came out we had a lot of engagement so shout out to everybody yeah. man with that said let's get into the podcast with sean anthony sean if you're listening respect for coming on the podcast mm-hmm. um yeah let's get into it anything else to say yeah, before thanks you a lot sean here? no thank you know uh big ups to sean he's doing a lot of great things in the podcasting space and in the community so we just got to keep championing each other and uh, keep elevating that's a fact. Before you get get out of here, that's so big, man. More people championing each other. You know, more mm-hmm. Torontonians championing each other. Because, well, Sean is not from here, but, you know, in the Toronto community, shout out to everybody that's doing a podcast, that's creating their own content, you know, um, that's trying to make something different. You know, we, we see you, we appreciate you, and keep on going. Yeah. Right. It, it, I also, just to add to that, Al, um, it's not a competition. It's yeah. honestly not. You know, um, a lot of people in this content space, whether you have a YouTube channel, podcast, uh, whatever you're doing creatively, there is no ranking here. There is no whatever. Everybody, there's, think about it. The world is huge. You can create an audience of a million people and there's still billions of people you can still attract with your thing. Don't look at the left or right or try and bring down another person. If you see someone doing great work, boost them up. Just say, hey, you're doing amazing. Like, if you if we're in the business podcast space, yeah, we want to be great. But if another podcaster is doing great, that's amazing. Let's bring them onto our platform. There's more than enough food to go on around. Everybody can eat. Everybody can be successful. And we're only going to be successful if we continue uplifting each other because that's the way to uh, elevate. It, it takes a village to raise the bar. That's a fact. I couldn't say it better myself. All right, guys, hop into the podcast with Sean Anthony. Peace, y'all. Let's go. Hey, what's up, guys? To support the show for free, here are some main options. If you're on Apple, make sure you rate and write a review of our podcast. This makes a huge difference and helps support the show. If you're on Spotify, follow us. If you're on Google Play, hit subscribe and auto-download so you'll be notified and have a fresh pod ready to go when we drop. Lastly, make sure you share the podcast on Instagram or whichever social platform you use and tag us. On Twitter, we're at 247Hustlers. On Instagram, we're at 247Hustler. And on Facebook, we're Hustle Over Everything. And now, guys, got to pay attention to this point. We just dropped a new newsletter. It's called The Underrated. It's a weekly newsletter that breaks down untold stories that highlight game-changing business strategies that shape our sports music and culture it drops once a week on mondays early in the morning to prep you for the week so subscribe to that and we'll see you in the pod
All right, Sean, welcome to the show. How are you? Let's get it, man. I'm glad to be here, man. I told y'all before y'all press that record button, y'all black. I said, oh, let's do it. Let's get it. <laughs> it's a trifecta, it's a rare. man. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's beyond rare, man. So I'm, a, I'm, in, I'm in rare Wale. Uh, screw me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black mode right now. Mm-hmm. Facts. I love that music video too, man. This is like the, the little minutiae of being black, little things you see that no one else sees, you know what I'm saying? So, without a doubt. Um, and you're currently in North Carolina right now, you know, um, just moving. How has that move been for you so far? Man, the move is crazy. This might be your first ever podcast you guys do, and a phone might ring. It might be the guy who cutting the grass. You never know what's about to happen. So, uh, if, if you're moving, please be advised. Make sure you have all the brown boxes ready, because it's been crazy. Most definitely, man. To get things started, you know, you're the host of the Schools Over Now What podcast. You know, uh, let's talk about the person you were when you just finished school. You know, um, what were you thinking when you were just leaving school? Uh, what was your mind state like? Walk us through that. Yeah, man, when I was leaving school, man, when we talk about college, I went to an HBCU, Winston-Salem State University. I was the party guy. I was the guy who was throwing the parties. I was the guy you would call to skip the line of VIP, the guy that would put all the pretty girls in the booth. That was me. Mm-hmm. So after college, I kept doing that. Then I quickly started to realize that everybody was going back to their hometown. They were, you know, they, they just weren't around anymore. And then mm-hmm. I knew there was a different crowd. I didn't want to keep catering to the younger and younger crowd. So I took the same skills I was doing with partying, networking, marketing, uh, meeting new people, uh, influence, celebrities, performers. I took those same skills and I went corporate. So I went corporate uh, for six, for actually for four years. And I was promoted six times in those four years. And then it wasn't until I took a job that took me six hours away from my family where I stumbled across podcasting and I created Schools Over Now What? And it's completely changed the game for me. Uh, going back to corporate, like what were you doing like in your corporate job? What company was it? And uh, what led you to be promoted six times? Yeah, man, I was on a, I was, I was working. Uh, it's so funny. No one's ever asked me to company. This is gold. So I, I, I was working for Macy's and I was on a fast track. So I got labeled very quickly on like this accelerated program. And I was just going through jobs. You name the titles, you name the management levels. I was just going through them to the point where I was over all of cosmetics in like Virginia. So yeah. when I was doing those things, I learned a lot, right? I was presenting in front of CEOs of the company. I was presenting in front of people who are making like 300,000 and more all the time but what i paid attention to is what they were saying about me i paid attention to when i started to talk or speak or stand up how they would lock eyes on what i had to say and that changed the game for me understanding that i had value i had purpose but i needed to figure out a way to do it where it was only beneficial to me and not them no that's key i think like almost any entrepreneur should have experience in a corporate job because the structure that you learn and the presentation skills that you learn are second to none you know, there's certain jargons and certain ways of operating that you learn through working corporate that is impossible to learn just by starting a business on your own. You really have to have that expertise or at least have someone on the team that's worked it so you can really get that expertise. I remember listening to John Buscemi. You know the, the shoes Buscemi? Yeah, it's yeah, a gourmet, yeah. gourmet shoes. He did gourmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah buckle, gourmet than John Buscemi. Right? Pardon me? Yeah. With the buckle look, look on the back, like horseshoe buckle look. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be the Hermes bag. You know, I, yeah. I listened to an interview of, of him. And um, the first thing he said is, if you're an entrepreneur, you should go work for the company that you're trying to start. 
you know? And he did that and worked at DC for years. And I was like, why would I do that? Why would I do that? And now after doing that, it makes so much sense because the kind of structure you learn is second to none. You know, um, yeah, so man, what was, I'm gonna cut you off, but, but a lot of people ahead. like that, man. Uh, Maverick Carter, right? The guy who's rolling with, with LeBron James is homie. Yeah. He went and worked for Nike. They didn't just wake up and become these these huge guys in these areas. They learned how they moved, how they how they you know shook hands, and how they networked, and they just crossed it over. So I think that's cool that you recognize that. But if you look at it, there's so many people that that have done that, that you're right. I think more people should pay attention to it. That's yeah. A fact. Also, it also like teaches you how to think too. Right. Because like when you're an entrepreneur, like coming out of university, like your thoughts are all over the place. But even recently, like getting back in corporate after school, just the way they think and the way they approach certain things, even if it might be a small project that you think is small, but they're going through like legalities. They're thinking from the end and then working back to like, what can we do to launch this small project that looks like small on paper? But there's so many stakeholders. There's so many things that might go wrong that you got to think about. So. Definitely, man. I totally agree with you. It's definitely like helped like shape my thinking. Even approaching the podcast, how do we arrange certain things to like grow the content pieces and everything? So, it's definitely valuable for sure. So now, when you stumbled upon your podcast, walk us through launching it and starting to make money from it. Yeah, man. Uh, well, from that's a, that's a long one. <laughs> so I mean, so so the process of starting the podcast, you gotta think about it. You know, I, I the reason why I started the podcast, keep on hunting, is that I was inspired so much by Evan Carmichael, Chris Drama, Pav, uh, Ed Milet, all these guys that I'm mentioning right now have all been on my show. But I realized something real quick: they didn't look like me. There were people that I could reach they could never reach. I was inspired by them, but I knew that you know we needed the inspiration too. So that's what really got me to say, you know, I want to start this podcast. But not only that, I wanted to bring those type of people onto the show so that the community I come from could gain access. So we could gain access to the knowledge, the wisdom. But most importantly, they have answered a question that we've all asked ourselves, your listeners and you guys included. School's over. Now what? What do I do? These guys have figured it out. So the process of that was how do I go about, you know, getting some of these huge names to be a part of the show so they can tell us their secrets. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, as far as like the podcast turning into money and turning into revenue, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. One of the things I paid attention to was what the audience, the listeners were saying every time they listened to an episode. So I did this format where I would go interview, interview, and then I would do a solo. So when I did the solo, I noticed a huge increase also in the listenership, but also I noticed what people were saying about the voice, what I was giving to them, the insights, the wisdom. And people were very interested in learning more from me. And I realized that I can make a huge impact if I taught people what I've learned. So I launched the Now What Academy by August of 2018, where we enrolled hundreds of people and we've coached them. And now we took a bigger focus in elevating people in the podcasting space and helping them build a brand through podcasting. Uh, to rewind things a little bit, Sean, right? So you're talking about podcasting, you're going from corporate, then you stumble upon a podcast that you know, gives you this inspiration to like launch things to the next level. Right. So you have a very entrepreneurial mind. Like, you know, you, that's like the, you know, who you are. Did you have any other entrepreneurial endeavors that you're thinking about before like stumbling upon podcasting? Like as you're leaving corporate was podcasting, like the only thing that you wanted just to go ahead and do. 
man, podcasting, man, podcast. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't. It didn't even exist. It wasn't even on my radar. I didn't even think about it. For yeah. me, it goes back to when I was 14. When I was 14, my brother went off to college and he became a big nightlife party promoter. So at 14, I got exposed to all the clubs. I was in VIP with bottles, you name it. That's how I learned how to network. That's how I learned marketing. That's how I learned skill set. And I remember throwing my first party at 14. I threw a graduation party. I want y'all to imagine this. Imagine a 14-year-old having the guts to throw a graduation party for high schoolers. I did it. I made $6,000 that night, the very first yes. part I ever did. So that embedded into me a thought process of hustling and really going after it. And that's what I did throughout, you know, finishing high school to college. So if you were to ask me what other entrepreneurship journey could I saw myself doing, one, I could have had my own nightlife building. I could have done partying forever. But there's a lot of yeah. liabilities with that. There can be, you know, there could be a shootout, which I've seen. There could, there could be, you know, an accident. All those things are, are ways that, you know, that club could be closed, right? Mm -hmm. It could become a liability instead of an asset. You know, if I look at what I was doing in college, I ran with a lot of ball players. So in terms of attracting the celebrities and the big names, you know, there was a lot of NBA players or people that were in the NBA when I was in college that were big in North Carolina or from North Carolina that I would just bring to maybe like a comedy show. I remember I brought uh, to Winston-Salem State comedy show, I brought John Wall. John Wall was a number one NBA draft pick. I threw his birthday party um, in, in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I also took him to my college. Uh, Quincy Miller, PJ Harrison, all these guys. Um, and the reason why I say that is because there was a time when I look back now, and you look at you know Maverick Carter, you look at you know Rich and all those guys, Rich Paul and all those guys, dude. That was a thought of process for me as well. You know, so there's a, a lot of things from an entrepreneur standpoint that I could see myself could have done you know but with podcasting i saw the impact immediately what it was doing for people and i just saw the longevity behind it how much money were you making as a as a party promoter oh yeah. god dude so i would do three parties uh depending on what, what year you're talking about so i would do i would do three parties i'll do a party on thursday night i would wake up uh at 8 a.m and i would and i would go to the biology class i'll do a party at friday night then I would go to sleep and then Saturday night we would have like celebrities, a little boosie, you name it. And guys, this was like during like the the swagger like us, um, uh, Soldier Boy at his highest highest levels, Kanye at his highest levels, Young Jeezy at his highest level time frame. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking like a regular Thursday through Saturday, you're talking about anywhere between uh, maybe maybe five to twelve thousand dollars. You're talking about from those regular days. But if you're talking about like homecoming, like I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with North Carolina, but you're talking about North Carolina A and T and you know, Grace Homecoming on Earth and Western Salem, you could do that at night. And I think it was just so cheap. It was just so cheap. The expenses, all you're paying for is security. Um, and, and that particular time, you would just let them keep the bar. You're, you're very good if you can work out a bar deal. Uh, but several thousands of dollars every single week. Yeah, man. Like six grand at fourteen. Like the first time you probably touched that money at fourteen. Like it must have been like a rush and i think like every entrepreneur has that feeling right i remember even when my mom was telling me to go you know get a job like tim hortons like uh back at my parents house and i was just like oh, i don't want to do that it's like spring breakish around that time to get a job and um i decided to like go shovel driveways right like charge like 25 bucks per driveway and by the end of it like i made like 350 in one weekend and that would have been like a one pull, a full paycheck if I had done like a Timmy shift, maybe two, three times a week, 
like both weeks out of made that money but i made that in like four total hours of work right and that was like my big epiphany right there like man this like owning your own business and being in control of your own time and having autonomy that is like it was like a I don't know, man. It's like a euphoric feeling, like just going to bed. And I was like, man, I'm just holding this cash. I made it in four hours. And it would have taken me like bare time to do it or two weeks. I'm sure that's what you probably felt too. Like I'm making like 6K in yeah, one night. Yeah, at 14. Yeah, for, man, we're just taking pictures with money, man. I, I think when you look at it though, you, you get wiser and smarter. But at the same time, I look back at it. The, the guys who were the owners still were smarter than us. Think about it. We were teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is this. Um, like for for instance, like a Thursday night, there would be like a flat fee where they would pay us. So you tell you know us at a young age, hey, here's two thousand dollars every single Thursday. You're gonna say, all right, cool. I never had it anyway. But as you sit back and observe and watch, you're like, yo, I could have made more than that in one hour. And it, it's yeah. just about structuring the right deal instead of like. So I, we got smarter instead of like doing the flat fees. We started asking for percentages. And with that comes where, you know, you start learning more about money, the expenses side of it, the P&L side of it, the profit and loss when you're paying for security, DJ, all those things. So if anything, man, bro, it just made me so much wiser. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm curious because being a party promoter during that time, you you bump heads with so much celebrities, right? What was one celebrity that really impressed you by the personality and and their character? Mm. I think of two people. Um, they were. I think now I look back at them, they're so different now. Two people that surprised me with character. One of them surprised me with how fast he can ignite a crowd, and the crowd gets violent. Um, Waka Flocka. Uh, he, he had that. Oh, let's do it. Yeah. He had that. Oh, let's do it. Oh my goodness. He would. He would jump. He would. He would jump off of uh, the stage and go directly in the crowd. Like, it was so much energy. And just looking back at it, like you had to be really free to do that. Like I'm not sure a lot of people do that nowadays. And he had mm-hmm. the he had the hottest song in the whole the whole entire thing. And and what I mean by that is a couple things. Oh, hold on one second, y'all. Y'all we still good? We clear? Yeah, we good. We good. We still good. All right, so I would say I would say Waka Flocka for sure. Uh, outside of Waka Flocka, can you pause this? Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Let's take I a quick break, quick. everybody. One moment. So we're back. Now, just to recap the question, out of the personalities that you met in the clubbing scene, who was your, one of your favorite personalities that stood out to you? Yeah, man. Uh, first off, it's easy. Waka Flocka, man. Like, I was in the party game when Oh Let's Do It was the hottest thing out. And I remember getting him. It's so funny now because when I think about it, like, the price of artists was so cheap back then. It would, they would never be this amount. And I remember turning down artists now that I'm looking at, I'm like, man, I should have just paid for it. Um, I'm just thinking about it. I remember when uh, Wiz Khalifa was so easy to reach. You can just call the one guy, it was a white guy, he was probably still rocking with him. I think his name was Will, um, with Taylor Gang. You could call him and Wiz was like right beside him. And I remember I could have got him for $3,000 and I said, no, you probably can't get Wiz Khalifa to shake your hand for $3,000 now. But mm-hmm. by far, one of the, one of the most Craziest personalities like popping, live energy, Waka Flocka all day. He would jump in the crowd. He would get everybody hype. There's so much danger nowadays. Not too many artists would do that. Um, the the artist who surprisingly to me, who caused the most violent scene I ever seen happen in the club. When you're looking for the exit, is Trick Daddy. 
So we had Trick Daddy, man, and, and Trick Daddy had certain songs that are like so street. And I remember a song he played, and I and I was sharing it with my wife because it just brought back so many memories. I remember he played this song called like "It's a Certain Way I Fold My Flag," and when he played that song, I guess he got to arguing with somebody in the audience. He didn't care about the music anymore. He stopped doing the music, cut the beat, and they just like jumped in the crowd. Chairs was flying. People's hair were flying, and you was trying to get out of there. Uh, so, so many different artists, man. But those two, they really stand out to me. And then there's always the artists that just have a different aura about them, where it's just like so boss. Like Rick Ross is just the movement. The, the it's just such a different aura. Um, like so, Robert those Harris. are some of the ones that really stand out. Yeah. You met Rick Ross. Walk, tell, tell us about that story, because you know we're, we're, we're Bel Air boys over here, man. So, exactly. walk us through <laughs> meeting Rick Ross. Mr. Yeah, Russell. man. So it's a, it's a, it's a couple of different ways, man. Like like it was homecoming, it was anti homecoming. He pulls he pulls up. And it's so funny now I think about it because a lot of these artists back in my party days, a lot of these uh, celebrities in the podcast space that I've met have very similar auras. Where you kind of know, oh, okay, like, like you can kind of see the correlation. That's why when I tell people all the time about podcasting, like yo, Sean, how you want to move? Dude, I'm just gonna move like an artist. Cause I felt the aura, it feels the exact same. So with Rick Ross, as soon as he pulls up, and already knows the Maybachs, it's the security, it's the black Chevys, it's all those things. And he's getting escorted around the room. As he's getting escorted around the room, it's like the music stopped and the lights just, the spotlights just went around his head and just followed him all the way around the room. But when you see guys like that, before they even speak, they command a presence. So I took the, you know, those same, you know, those same things I'm noticing from all these celebrities, I bring that same type of energy when I'm, I'm meeting other celebrities in the podcast space. Because one thing I've learned is people will know immediately within 30 seconds if you're really about what you're talking about. But most importantly, you want to show them that you're just as worthy as they are. Mm-hmm. And Sean, like when you were like in the party space, um, what was that transition period that like made you decide, you know what, this scene isn't it is no is no longer for me? Um. It took a while, man. Yeah. It took a while, man. I think I think as it got younger, and because uh, I always ran with street teams, so I would have like thirty college kids beating down dorm room doors for me. When I saw all thirty of them, and I would change up every year, be a different person, different diff- different group of thirty, or be the same people. When I started to see them leave, that's when I kind of knew, like you know what, eh, I don't know if I really wanted to keep doing this. And I saw the market change, the demographic change, and I just didn't want to be that guy in his 30s, you know, partying with a bunch of, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. Um, so, and then the, the market that would be my market would happen, you know, one time a year. Now homecoming would come and I would still eat, but I just knew I just didn't want that to keep going. I knew I wanted to, to keep doing something that I felt comfortable doing, but most importantly, I was rocking with my same crowd. Yeah. I also want to say like my friend too, like when I was working at the gym, he was like a promoter, like he had a side income as a promoter, like here in downtown Toronto. And he was telling me, like, man, this lifestyle can get taxing on your body, right? Because you're drinking, like, three <laughs> times, and you're drinking heavy, right? And then, as well, too, you never know, like, a pandemic can just wipe you out. So now that was, like, his main source of income. Now, like, it's gone. Um, you know, he, like, he was drinking every single weekend, every single week. Then he comes to work late. So... There's also like the, the the negative sides of it, like where just drinking alcohol every single night as part of your job can just deteriorate your health over time. And then oh, unforeseen circumstances can just wipe out your business. And now when you come back, it's like you're older, 
you're like man like the same crowds have gone back home like who who do you like your contacts are spread out it just seems like a like a business you build like you build like sandcastle but it's just wiped out at any second bro yeah, but yeah, I, th- I think the, the the real way though, you guys talked about it earlier. Is like, yeah, what do you see yourself doing? I identify ways I could have transitioned though. Mm-hmm. So instead of being the guy throwing the parties, the way to transition is to become the owner. Mm-hmm. The way to transition is to become the guy who owns the bar, the guy who owns the building, the guy who rents it out to them. Uh, so I saw the possibility of a transition. But you're right, man. You could be doing drugs all the time. I, good thing for me, I was never heavily involved in any of those things. But I did see it happen to a lot of the people I broke bread with a lot. Mm, damn. Yeah, it's real. You know, well, you're in that situation. You're the sum of the five people around you, right? So if you keep putting yourself in those situations, you're either going to become it or going to have to figure out a way out. And yeah, but at the same time, I, I say I say this though. I ran with like I ran with five people you wouldn't even expect. So I ran with the athletes, the street dudes. Like if you if you guys were to see me back in college you would think they were bodyguards because they were all six feet big brolic, but at the end of the day, they all came from a different angle. So we dominated, I think, the party space because we were able to reach all these different people and bring them together. We could bring the most bougiest, prettiest girls you can imagine, and we could bring the streetest dudes out, and we could bring the, the Kappas out, we could bring the Greeks out, you name it. And I think that's what made us successful is that the five people that, fortunately for me, that I hung around brought our money in a whole different market. Mm, that's real. All right, so now let's fast forward a bit and, and get into the podcast game. You know what I'm saying? So walk us through the, the first three podcasts, because that's kind of some of the toughest ones, right? The, the first few, getting in that rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. How'd that go for you? Um, and what lessons were you starting to learn as you started to grow your podcast? Yeah, man, the first three, man, I tell people all the time, the first episode should be, who are you, right? Who are you? And I told people exactly who I was, the way we talked about today, right, from 14 up. Second episode is what people can expect. I knew the format. I wanted to interview people. And the third episode, I just started to delivering it. Fortunately for me, that's how I launched. And it took the ability of me to send those three episodes out to one of my homeboys who said, nah, man, tell them who you are first. And it worked so well for me, and it worked so well for my clients. Yeah, you speak a lot about like your you have this phrase, tell your story. And you've been talking about it on every different medium that you've been on. Uh, I hear it's like a really important part of you. Like talk to our audience about what telling your story means, because if you don't have a story, if you don't have if you're not the athlete, if you didn't have like this prestigious background, you're just a regular person. How can one person tap into their inner self and find that story that's compelling towards uh, creating an audience, let's say? Powerful question, man. That, that story, that's telling a story. Here's the thing. I just don't think our story is important. We had to find that adversity. At the time, we almost gave up what made us who we are today. That's the piece you tell, right? I'm not standing in front of you guys if I didn't throw parties. I'm not standing in front of you if I didn't make 6000 at 14. I'm not standing in front of you if I didn't go take a job that took me six hours my family and I stumbled across a weird-looking purple app and I never knew podcasting existed. But you got to find those things in your story that, that made you who you are today in the moment you're in right now. So I say channel your inner childhood. Channel that job that told you no, and that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, man. When it came to um, you know getting these first celebrities on, was it from your relationships with, po- with party promoting, or did you just have to organically go out and create it? Yeah, man. A lot of the guys I had at my parties are street hood 
artist RB? No. <laughs> so the, the 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 way I did it was I identified who that I really watch on TV that I felt like would give people aha moments. The first guess is about taking that shot, right? Taking that chance. And I shot my shot at a guy called Ryan Serhan from New York Man on Listing. He was the first huge guest I got. He was shooting a YouTube video at the time. He had a vlog series. We were able to be on that vlog series and it completely took off. He gave us a viral moment. We left a comment on the page telling people where they can listen to the full episode. And to my astonishing, like I woke up the next day, he pinned that comment where it took the number one space and we had over 70,000 downloads. Um, so, so for me, it was about shooting that shot, going after who I really wanted to go for. But the only way you can make that happen is aligning them with your mission. My mission was education. My mission was the answers. I felt as if he would give that to the people. And it was about pitching him that way, which got him on the show. And then it becomes a domino effect. Now you have somebody of caliber in your show, and now you can start you know, utilizing their name, things they've been featured on, to land you more guests. Let's break that down a bit, because this is where a lot of net new podcasters slip. How'd you pitch him? How'd you even reach out to him? Was it through a DM? What, did you scrape his email through through like an email scraper? Walk us through that. This, this, uh, those little, little things can make a big difference for somebody. Absolutely, man. The way I got a hold of him, man, simply put, it was Instagram. It was Instagram, finding his email address, which is completely different now, by the way. Um, so finding his email address, pitching you know that particular email by outlining first what the show is about, um, what I plan on doing with the show, and then most importantly, how I felt he would add value and why we selected him out of all the people. And I think that's what really stood out. And also, I paid attention to what he had going on. He had a new book he was about to release. He wanted press. He wanted PR. So a real hack is find out who wants to be a new author, who has a new book, and making your pitch that way. That's a big fact. It's a big gem. Uh, that's how we got Mario Armstrong on the podcast. We slid in his DMs. We you know, spoke to the value of what he'd be on the show to talk about, You know, the actual heart of it. You know, We were working mm-hmm. on the rapper Go to the League, um, platform at the time so that made a huge difference and that's actually who, who how we connected with you he's the one who suggested you to be on the show you know mm-hmm. so shout out to mario um solid guy very solid, solid, solid guy, guy. so um, go ahead on. Gonna, no i was gonna ask um so like now we're like you know now you're a very like seasoned podcaster in the community and if you're like looking back then uh and you compare now what would you have done differently in your launch plan? Launch plan would have been exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, and the reason why I say that, because now I coach people how to do it and I see it work. I think what I would have done differently, though, if you look at the first six months of me doing a podcast from June till December of 2018, when we launched it, I was still connected with heavy hitters, big names. I would have flown to every single one of them. If I could do anything different, I would have flown to every single one. There, there's a, there is a huge, a huge breakthrough once you're standing beside somebody that someone else admires. So when I start being seen in the photos and physically in front of Ed Milets, the Grant Cardones, the David Metzlers, and people see these things, it already elevates you. One, not only from you know a visual standpoint from your audience, but also to them. They're like, yo, this dude really flew across the country. He ain't playing. You know, so 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 I think that I would do. I would definitely fly. That's big. That's very big. You know, we're thinking about about going to Atlanta to to you know 
close some big interviews. And that is something that we need to think about now that you really opened my mind a little bit more. And it's so true, you know, I, I think it's called the Oprah theory, right? Is that if you interview enough people and stand next to them, eventually people will look at you and be like, hey, tell us about you, right? <laughs> so uh, that, that's huge, that's huge. Hey, that's also, if you look at study social media, some of these big names, like think about it, right? What's the guy's name that used to hold the umbrella for Diddy? Was it but, uh, Benjamin, what's his name? Um, yeah, Fonsworth uh, Bentley. Fonsworth exactly. Bentley used to hold the umbrella yeah. for, for for Diddy. After a while, people were like, yo, who that dude? You know, go back even further. Look at Big Pun. Fat Joe was holding the umbrella for him. Who that dude? Okay, you know, no, so no, like, no. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna let you do that. <laughs> Fat Joe was not holding the umbrella for Big Pun. Don't, don't, don't play tape. Fat Joe Rewind like that. Rewind the tape, fam. Rewind the tape. You know what? So, but at the, same, at, at, the same, at the same time, we got to rewind the tape. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, Fat Joe held the umbrella, fam. Get out of here, Fat Joe. I did not know yes, that. Yes, fam. Let me let me so I can find it while I got y'all up here, Bruh. He I thought he was rapping. You know I what I'm saying? Know. When uh, sitting a little, sitting in the middle, of it a little, it a, okay, I'm not gonna try that shit. But when he was a tongue twister, there, bruh. <laughs> that, that that's the that's the uh, big hey, pun fam, joint. What's this right here? Hold on, let me show you. Let me show you. What's this? You're what's lying. This right here, you are what's lying. What's the right there? It's Fat Joe holding the umbrella for pun. You are lying. Wow. I remember it, B. Let's wow. zoom in. Zoom in. That's your man. And he's he's dope. He's cool. Don't get it twisted. He's dope, cool, and a huge partner for the culture. But by all means, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Everybody had a moment, bro. That's to, crazy. To the point where they become they become the superstar. They they you know they like they don't always be behind lines. You know, Kanye was the guy you know doing the beats for everybody when he started rapping. They, they didn't take him seriously until he said that one bar from the J. I think that one bar was like Miracle Whips. And, uh, man, yeah, mayonnaise color bands. I push Miracle, miracle Whips, and I am. Mm. I to take and they was like, hold on. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. man. Before mm-hmm. I had a house, and now I do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeez, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you just messed me up with that one, man. No, but that's very true. Ian Connor, you know, was was the the guy for for ASAP Rocky. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of those. There's a bunch of those. All right, so now you're rocking now with the podcast. You know, you got Ryan's her hand on. You got some notable um, faces on. Walk us through the Grant Cardone story. All right, cool, man. Yeah, the, the Grant, the Grant Cardone story, bro. And also, too, man, you guys have been dope. So I want to let you know if you guys hear anything in the background really weird, it's because the guys outside cutting the grass. We told you earlier that that, that we were doing a podcast, and I just moved. Um, the Grant Cardone story, man. Listen, it, it shouldn't have happened. It couldn't have happened. It it, it couldn't have happened. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I was chasing her down. I want you to get, grasp this, though. Because part of me is like, because ah, I see people now interviewing him and stuff like that, which is dope. It's a hell of a name, huge name on your podcast. But to reach Grant Cardone, the time frame I got him in 2019 is when I finally got him in person. This was before Clubhouse, fam. Mm-hmm. It was way harder. Clubhouse is get, Clubhouse made a lot of things easy. It was way harder. So he said no. He, he said no. Let me let, let's let's push it back to December 2018. And I was like, all right, cool. December 2018, I reach out, no response. Um, I reached out in around January, February, and I, now I got more steam. I got more steam on me. I got more names on me. He said, yeah, let's do it. So he said, all right, let's do it. So we agreed to do the podcast. I said, yo, I'm going to fly to you. I'm going to fly to you, and I'm going to do it in Miami. 
and it was a go. I booked all these hotels, I booked flights, you name it. So a week before the podcast, I think it was like five, three, four days before the podcast, I get a message from his assistant and she says, hey, sorry, but Grant will no longer be able to meet with you in person. He will have to take your interview over video. And I was like, oh no, we ain't doing that. I done put all the, I, I remember getting ready to get a haircut at the barber shop, fam. And I was like, oh no, we ain't doing that. So, so I remember some of the people I've, I had connected with previously and how they, you know, said, hey, how can I help you? What can I do for you? And I had just got back from Laguna Beach and I was with Ed Milet. And so I texted him. I said, listen, you know, I'm supposed to be in Miami in like three days to interview Grant Cardone, but they're kind of acting kind of funny. You think I should do it? You think I should go down there? I don't really know if I should really make it happen because I paid for it. I was vulnerable. I paid for the flights. I paid for the hotel. I don't really know. He said, yo, you need to go to Miami and you need to fly to Miami and you need to go to that building. He said, Grant Cardone was hard for me to get. Show up. And I, cause I reached out to him from a standpoint of like, yo, can you hit him? Can you hit him up or something? Like, uh, let him know mm. I'm legit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can you let it know? Can you let the man know? He's like, I can't make no promises, but you know, you need to still go down there. No lie, less than 24 hours. I woke up the next day. It was a brand new spanking email. The email said, Hey, Sean, things have changed, and Grant would like to meet with you in person. Mm. And I was like, Oh, this is crazy. It's going down. Um, yeah. So for me, it just showed me the power of making connections while you're podcasting and figuring out who's really real and who's really there for you and who will really, you know, you know, help catapult you to some extent. But that's the Grant Cardone story. That's how it happened. We were in Miami. We showed up with all our cameras, all of our gear. His team was like, forget your stuff. We got our stuff, Cause, which I respected. I wouldn't have flown with all that stuff. Um, and they shot the whole thing. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that he's very... Uh like a stickler for his own thing. I, when I see my other podcasts, it's always there. He's geared that they're shooting with more, more times than not, you know. I'm guessing this to keep creative control, maybe. I don't know. But, well, uh, he got a good team. Narrative. Johnny, he got a good team. Johnny, the camera guy. Shout out to Johnny, who's his, you know, who's his guy. He shoots everything, all the 10X, everything. And I think when you spent that much money on equipment, you got your own videographer, and people that are with you full time, you want to look the same everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So you got it. Hey, might as well do it. Yeah, so yeah, consistency and branding and image. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, so now. Definitely. Let's get to the business. You know what I'm saying? All right, now walk us through how you monetize the podcast and how you build your business up. And are you doing this full-time, am I right? Yeah, facts, yeah. So the monetization of the podcast, several different ways. Early off, I wanted to channel, and I have to ask anybody right now that's listening to this, yo, look at your community. Look at people who support you, friends, family, your, your, your super fans, your people that are really like sharing your content. And start a Patreon. So I started a Patreon where, you know, I would provide exclusive content. I would let them know who was coming to the show before anyone else. I will let them know, you know, give them a little sneak peek at, at a, a private, you know, one-on-one, an interview or something that was happening. I would give them access to maybe like a book club that I was starting off. And everything I'm telling you will have a tier. So I have like a, a dollar if you just support me, right? Mm -hmm. And then I limited the dollar seats. So after like $100 seats, I ain't doing it no more. <laughs> so now we're talking about five, 10, 25 and different levels get you more things, whether it's behind the scenes and things like that. So Patreon's one way. The second way is I started running my own infocommercials on my podcast. So here's what I mean by my own infocommercials. 
I would literally tell people, hey, if you're enjoying this podcast right now and you're ready to take your brand or business to the next level, download my ebook, right? And I give them a link to the ebook. So the ebook was acquiring me an email list. So as the email list would build, I was able to kind of figure out who really wanted to elevate, whether it's in the branding space or the podcast space. And the next thing I started to do was I started to do webinars and master classes. And of course, at that point, you're charging. You're charging for the webinars, you're charging for the master class. You start learning what your community really likes. You can package all of that up and you can create an ultimate ebook. So now I have like this ultimate podcasting ebook, which is a combination of those things. But the real high ticket price is where I started talking about the Now What Academy and working with people and brands one-on-one. And that has completely changed the game as far as a high ticket value and getting clients and going forward. So how much does the average um, course go for? What are the, the, the price points of some of these products? Yeah, man, great question. So I think if you have a product, a price point of a product, I think the best way to do it is make it affordable for, for a product standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. So you can grab the ebook for $47. People say, hey, how do I pitch and get these big guests? I got a pitch script, which is my copy and paste. It's an email template. That has a high value, but it's not overly priced. It's at $77. And it's at that price because I know it works. I've seen people still use it and still get it. So you're creating evergreen things, right? You have a, a webinar. Let's say you have a uh, used webinar jam. Webinar has this thing where you can go and pay for Ever Jam. So Ever Jam allows for a webinar to replay. So there's a webinar that, that sells for $97 about building a brand with podcasting. And then when there's people that work with me one-on-one, there's several different packages um, starting from $13.97 and up. Got you, got you. So that's how, so basically the podcast is like the marketing front end, the content front end. And on the back end, you have an academy and that's where you, you monetize from the products that are evergreen, that you can purchase whenever you want. And then just your own personal services that you do. Got you, got you, Absol- got you. Absolutely, man. Got you. And how, and how big is like that gotten for you? Do you have a team now? Is it only you? Yeah, great, great question, man. Uh, there, there's a team now from the branding standpoint of me. So, like, like if you see, I'm not spending my time creating all these videos, creating all these graphic arts, creating all these different things. So, there is a team behind that aspect. But what I provide from a high ticket standpoint is one-on-one access. So that doesn't require a team. But what I do provide for people that want to work with me in the masses is a bunch of products that are just evergreen. So it doesn't require a team. So you have those evergreen products, the eBooks, the webinars, the pitch scripts, all those things are just evergreen, which is allowed for me to pretty much rock and roll. Yeah. Mm. We were talking about this earlier. Like, you know, as we're like building the podcast, like we feel like there's no blueprint for a successful podcast. Like there's no textbook the way you can read about, like, you know, finance principles are finance principles. Like whatever you slice and dice it, those rules are the same. Uh, with building a CPG brand, like you can like water down and like make everything duplicatable because it's product marketing, whatever. Well, podcasting, it's such a new space. It's such a like untapped market. Like no one really knows how to like become successful at it. Like over the past, I think, um, Alex, what's that stat you told me that 
Like a lot of podcasters are coming in the space and barely any of them make it past like 10 episodes. 10 episodes. Uh, yeah, 10, 10 episodes, episodes what it is. Right? It's like 80% of them barely make it past 10 episodes. Something like, I, I'm speaking, this is drunk facts, you know, to put our, our drink champs on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, about 80%, something like that, barely make it past 10 episodes. It's, it is yeah. tough, you know. So um, what I want to ask is, uh, what? Who were your first hires? What once you started making money for your from your first ebook? What was the first hire you made to start? You know, focusing on the revenue and making and building up the business. Yeah, man. I think your first hire should be someone that could take off whatever it is that's stressing you the hell out. You know, for me, it was it was creating micro content. Um, for me, it was someone that could understand what my voice sounds like and the rhythm of what I'm talking about and how to match that up. Right from a branding perspective, that should be your first hire. If you, it, that's something, what's really stressing you out now? If you're enjoying that, that's not what you hire. But if you are struggling at editing your podcast, or struggling at you know um, uh, pushing out content on multiple platforms. That's the person you hire. That's the best way. But for me personally, it was how can we continue to bring you micro content? Figure out what's really working on YouTube, which I'm still trying to figure out to this day. Because that can turn into another uh, revenue stream. But also, by when you figure out your branding, brands will start coming to you. So I've done plenty of brand deals where I've worked with brands, you know, one time or you know, uh, uh, pretty much rocked a certain item and sold a certain item and would have revenue from it as well as being paid to post it. Um, so the way that best answer that question for anybody listening right now is, what's stressing you out? That's who you hire. Mm. That's interesting. What stresses you out? I would have thought you would have gone for the what can you leverage to make more money, you know? Mm-hmm. That's interesting you went that route. That Yeah, man. I mean, you, you, you can figure out what makes the most money, but at the same time, as you figure out what makes the most money, you got to figure out does it make the most sense for your brand. Mm-hmm. Mm, got you, got you, got you. Hmm. Owen, man, that speaks to us, don't it? <laughs> man, like, like Sean, like we're... We're like a two-man army. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're trying to create micro-content. We're, you know, building a newsletter, building YouTube. We just picked up Adobe. Like, we're trying to juggle it all. And also, like, we're trying to, like, like our main revenue stream, like, where we can say we get revenue is, like, we started, like, a merch line, right? Like, what you see right now, us wearing. So, we've been able to sell, like, T-shirts, sweaters, and everything. But bringing on that person, like, where you can't say, oh, yeah, we make enough revenue to, like, cover, like, a two-person team. Now it's like when we're actually going to craft these deals with advertisers and um, brands that we think would be synergized with our brand and could say, hey, our audience is a business audience. If we craft this deal, like where we create content with your brand and like have it on like a popular guest, this is how we can work together. And this goes back to what I was saying, like there's no blueprint, right? So before brands were charging like, okay, cost per mile, that's what we'll charge for an ad. But with so many podcasters coming in the space and the average of podcasts barely getting a thousand plays per episode, you've got to be more creative. You've got to be more um, unique in what your approach with your offer is. And that's what we're trying to figure out. So we've had like two calls this week. We, we fumbled the first one with like a big corporation that, you know, we said, you know, I'm not even going to get into it, but it was like a big lesson. We learned two major lessons this week, man, on, on pitching and like what to do. And, you know, just to be honest, just to be candid, right? Because this is a hustle over everything. So we got to be, we got to be forthcoming. We realize like, yeah, transparent. So we realized that, you know, what we approached like, um, let's say 
like GoDaddy, right? So we, we got a meeting with them. They're like, okay, we're only dealing with shows that have 100K downloads per month or whatever, right? Of course, we're not there. But I just showed you like the caliber of like what you've got to be. So if we're approaching that brand now, we got to be more creative and say, we're not that listenership yet, but this is what we can do with all our assets that we have and et cetera to make that money coming in. So what might work for me might not work for another podcast with a different audience, with a different community and a different message towards that brand and what they want. So to all podcasters, just be unique in what you offer and just be creative. I think that's the main thing you got to do this early on when you're building a podcast. Yeah, you also can look at your, your other platforms to social media and do a tally up of how many people are in part of that social media and use that as far as your pitch, right? If I wanted to populate off a of podcast, Seekers Reveal, which is the club I created in Clubhouse, it has almost 30,000 members. That's a lot of people. You know, you can take a, a community like that to strictly about podcasting and pitch whatever you want to pitch. So I think you can look at Clubhouse, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, just tally it all up and, you know, with your downloads and make your pitch that way. It might be another avenue for you, another angle. <laughs> Yo, that was literally what I said today. I was yeah. exactly the, the move we're making just because, you know, um, I think it's called run of network, you know, this for the audience members. Um, Run of network is the term that people consider when you're they're buying your whole um, social media website, everything, run off your entire network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a, a, a way to finesse deals where you can have a, a corporate sponsor come in and do the entire network. So that, that's huge. What lesson and mistake have you done or learned from, pardon me, when it comes to making brand deals. And are brand deals the predominant sense of your business? It was strictly like, what is the, in the pie chart? Would it be all Patreon that's bringing in the business? Or how much is it to, to brand deals, to Patreon, to eBooks? Walk us through that. The biggest thing in the business, and I hope anybody take anything from this podcast, the biggest thing in the business is me, fam. Uh, I mean, about the high, like the high end clientele, giving you access to what I'm doing and how I can help you do it. Cause you can make way more money. Um, that's the big end of the business. Um, as far as like like what to do and what not to do brand deals, I remember one one time I was considering partnering with a network uh, for my podcast. They wanted everything. They wanted access. They wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to run my show. They wanted a 50-50 split and all these crazy things. And they had hella access to some people too. Um, and I said no. But the smartest thing I did before I said no is I took talk about leveraging relationships I took the contract and I sent it to Beyonce's dad, Matthew Knowles. And he said, hey, Sean, send me the contract. I'm like, who would not send Beyonce's dad a contract? Like, who would not do that? So mm-hmm. I sent it to him. He called me. We talked about it. We looked it over. We found out ways I could have done it and ways that I probably won't want to do it. Um, but it's just having that ability to bounce ideas off somebody of high caliber, which changed the game for me before I said yes. Um, would I ever say yes to a network? It just has to be completely and align to what I want to do, right? And I think that's also might be one of the reasons some of these networks that you're starting to see format may have not approached, you know, because a lot of times my my wife tells me this, there's different types of people. There are people who should be a part of the team and be all-star players, and there are people who should be the owners who change the game for everybody. 
and I look back from when I was 14, creating my own team, uh, being in parties, being the only black guy, talking to CEOs, leaving corporate, uh, producing a podcast, being one of the few black people to really integrate and show you multiple races on a podcast um, as, as, as a game changer. And maybe that's in the cars for me. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's big. Um, that's big, man. That's proper gems. One thing I wanted to ask you, Sean, is, um, you know, you built your podcast with like top level guys, like heavy hitters, like the Milet, Grant Cardone, Sir Hans, and everything like that. And, you know, as a podcaster looking at that, you're asking yourself like, okay, if I get this certain guest, is it really going to take my podcast to the next level? And what my question is, is like, once you had those guests, did you notice, of course you notice, uh, uh, an increase in subscribership, but what level of subscribers stayed to your podcast and like continue listening on? Because, you know, like there's this misconception or I don't know if it is, but we talk about, okay, we need to go after quality guests and guests and guests, but does it translate into people staying and sticking and consuming your content, even though you're not going to have another heavy hitter for perhaps another eight to 10 episodes? Man, you don't always need a heavy hitter. Sometimes the heavy hitters be flops. They say the same stuff on every podcast. Mm-hmm. You gotta really, you gotta really dive in your bag to get a heavy hitter to say something they ain't never said before. And I think the way I, I've gotten some of them to do that is because I was physically in front of them. Right when I had, a, I did a podcast at David Matchler with David Matchler at his house, and he damn near cried. The podcast was so crazy after it was over. He didn't care. He didn't want me to leave. I had dinner with his family with his dog in my lap. And I don't even know his dog, and I ain't even a dog guy unless I, I, I'm, in this, I'm around him, you know. You know, but I'm playing my role, you know. Yeah. what I'm saying, like, oh, yeah. man, but, but uh, it doesn't matter, man. It doesn't always matter with the big names. What does matter though is what's going on with the big names. That could be the time frame that could make it really hot, though. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if someone, you know, uh, like right now, like you look at what's trending in the world and what's happening in the world, right? Like Rachel Hollis is like, like she getting drug out here. Right now, uh, she's a huge in the podcasting space, but she made these comments about a housekeeper and people are not for her. But I promise you this, whoever puts her on a podcast, she has so much controversy. They're going to listen. You know, and that's one thing I learned from OGs like Matthew Knowles. And I say that because I talk to him so much and I asked him the same question you asked me. I said, hey, man, how can I get better than this? You know what he said to me? And it it humbled me a little bit. He said, "Um, if I get off this phone with you right now, I call five of my friends and I say your name. Do they know you? And I'm like, damn. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, but 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 part that really stood out to me, he said, man, what you really need is you need some controversy, man. You got to get people up here saying some crazy stuff. He said, he said, that's what's really going to get people paying attention. You know, and I, I, that's my advice to anybody. I kind of forgot your question, but I know that was a gem. <laughs> but, but by far, man, uh, that's what I'll say. Yeah, we've been talking. Awesome. I was going to say, uh, even the million dollars worth of game, right? They had that Kevin Durant clip where they asked him about who are the top five teammates that you played with. Um, and he forgot <gasps> to mention Russell Westbrook. And that clip was like on ESPN. It was on first take, undisputed. All players are the way to do it, bro. Ball players is the way to do it. Exactly, right? And now, like, think about that. That's, like, national, like, TV in the morning. Now they're talking about your show. Think about that exposure just out of controversy, but they were not really looking for controversy. It's like Kevin Durant just said, oh, yeah, like, Westbrook, oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. Baca, then Westbrook. Yeah, Chris Drummer Path had Kyrie Irving on the show back when all LeBron James stuff was crazy. He asked him about LeBron. Next thing you know, you wake up and it's everywhere. 
You know, so like it's yeah. just learning how to play the cards right. You know, and I, it also too you got to think about protecting relationships. So sometimes you can go so controversy, you ain't never doing this again. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I see people do it. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would have done that, but you could do it, and you just won't ever do it again. But you'll get what you wanted out of it. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's a fact. As work was wrapping up, man. You know, Clubhouse has been, I feel like, a game changer for you. You know, um, and like I said, we're wrapping up. So what can people take from your move on Clubhouse? You know, you've built up a crazy club, one of the, I think one of the top clubs on Clubhouse. You know, walk us through some easy-to-execute tips you can use for Clubhouse. Yeah, man, listen, man. Like, people say that, and I'm like, yo, you have no idea how bad I wish I could really get up there. Here's the crazy thing about the following that I built on Clubhouse. I'm only consistent on showing up one day a week, one time, Mondays, 10 p.m. Eastern. Grown the club to almost 30,000 people, following it almost about 16,000. And I'm saying to myself, man, if I slept on this app like everybody else, well, God almighty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you got to ask yourself this, is what can you really truly dedicate to another platform? So if that's all you can dedicate to, when you show up, show out. Don't dim your light. You know, you have some type of credibility, some type of authority, state it. Raise your hand, get on that stage, let people hear your voice. I think what worked for me at Clubhouse is that people started really hearing my voice. They started hearing my story. And I think what really, truly resonated with them is that they started seeing things in me that either represented something in them or somebody they know that they just, you know, liked, loved, wanted to hang around or wanted to work with. And I think that's really the, the key, man, being who you are and showing up and you're letting your tribe find you. Um, the club was a, obviously a game changer because I wanted a community of podcasters and the community started coming in. And there's other podcast clubs, too. Um, and here's the thing. I've dipped into a couple of my lists into a couple of the rooms, but I'm all about energy and vibes. And they don't got the same vibe. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's what you got to figure out is how do you create that? And I know that because so many people have told me that, you know, so I, I've been very protective of how that has rolled out. Um, it wasn't until about two weeks ago where I started making people that I truly trusted um, to be administrators. You guys mentioned Mario Armstrong. He now has a night on Podcast Secrets Revealed. Um, Kate Casey has one of the highest rated TV shows. I'm sorry, highest rated TV podcast and film. Um, she has a night, you know, so. I'm very particular about people. I vetted the mess out of them because I want to make sure that the club's called Podcast Secrets Revealed. You're getting something from it. Um, so the number one tip is raise your hand, get on stage. And if you can't get on stage, create your own room. Mm-hmm. And you think about a title, create a title that you want to tap on, right? And I did a room last Monday and the title was here's things about podcasting nobody is talking about. Everyone tells you about equipment, but no one's telling you about the difficulties, the stress, the, the people dismissing you, the rejection. So I did it, you know? So think about what you want to tap, and then I think that'll work for you. Uh, Sean, what, what to you, like, makes a great podcaster? If you can, like, like say five things that make a great podcaster, what makes a great podcaster to you? One, is shut up and listen. Ask the question and, and, and let it sit. Um, the next is, is be crazy curious. Um, stop watching everybody's stuff. You watch enough people, you watch everybody's stuff, you're gonna start asking questions everybody asking. Um, and then the last thing I would say is uh, be who you are. This is the audio game, right? Be who you are and don't be afraid that you don't look right or you might not sound right. That uniqueness might be the way you stand out. Mm-hmm. And that Great was a jokes. podcaster, right? Now let's talk about the podcast show. 
what makes a great podcast show with everything you've learned since you started your your journey a, a catchy title a catchy title um one that feels like a i'm coming along with you one that just feels like it's going to answer a question um and, and most importantly i would say um one that that just has a, a vibe around it that that feels like a community Got it. That's huge. Got that's it. big. That's big. All right. Now, working towards wrapping up, where can people find you? Yeah, man. You find me on all social platforms at Sean R. Anthony underscore. It is the only one. There's a lot of fake pages of me. At Sean R. Anthony underscore is my official Instagram page. Uh, you can find me uh, anywhere. You can find us at schoolsovernowwhat.com and listen to the podcast at schoolsovernowwhat on all social media platforms. And we drop a new episode every single Friday. So be sure to tune in. Awesome. Awesome. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, hustle is what you can control. So control your grind and control your life. I'm Alex. And I'm Owen. And you are? I'm like, yo, y'all froze? <laughs> I'm, Sean, I'm Sean Anthony, man. There you go. Remember. There you yeah, but go. You skip that part out. Y'all just remember, <laughs> dream it, believe it, go out and get it. I'm like, damn, I'm say thanks. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man. Oh, man. All right, hustle over everything, like, y'all. Peace. Peace out.